Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to In All Honesty, the podcast where you get the honest answers you didn't know you needed. I keep reading this differently every single week. But anyway, I'm Michelle Elvin and I'm a five border credited life coach and I use my experience from this to answer all the questions that have been on your mind lately. This week we are talking about slowing down. Everyone has been forced to slow down in one form or another in this pandemic or as I've been calling it this panini just because it's a funner word to say and understandably especially for people who have never had to slow down I've been noticing a lot of people struggling with this and not knowing how to get their self-esteem fulfilled without being productive I think I've always had a bit more experience with being forced to slow down because of my illnesses but also a few years ago I very much actively worked on this because I realized that when I was being productive that was the only time I really felt good about myself and so much of the reason why I thought I was a good person was because I was always a person who got good grades got a star got a hundred percent got into the uni I wanted to get into got a good degree like all of those things and when you achieve a lot obviously it's a good thing but when you stop achieving things then your self-esteem wanes and It's never helpful to have your self-esteem revolving around one singular aspect because if that aspect disappears, then you have nothing else to rely on. Essentially, when someone is productive the entire time, it's because they believe they are not good enough without doing things constantly. Sometimes that's taught in childhood if you were only ever praised or told you were loved when you were getting good grades or doing chores or in a childhood where love was given and taken away as punishment depending on what actions you did or didn't do. You learn that if you do more, maybe someone might love you, especially in childhoods where you get put into the caretaking role if you've ever felt like you're your parents' therapist. And if this sounds familiar to you, then you become guilty anytime you aren't caretaking or working. So it's really important to unlearn this because this constant go, go, go or hustle culture that is encouraged and often told you need to do in order to be successful does lead to burnout. And as much as that is the working style for some people, especially some entrepreneurs who love to preach it, it's not everyone's working style. And I have multiple examples in my own life of people who are successful and success is defined differently, including myself. I believe I'm a successful person by anyone's metrics. I've achieved a lot by 27. Yet, 
a lot of days I don't start work before 12 o'clock. A lot of the days I only work four hours a day because I work effectively in those four hours. And when I finish my work at three o'clock in the afternoon, I don't then do more work or create busyness or do unnecessary work. I actually let myself just rest. And whilst that is a privilege I have from being freelance, a lot of people term success differently. And I think that's also really important to talk about. But this kind of go, go, go will lead to burnout. And when we have an absence of work, like most people are experiencing right now in the pandemic, we don't know how to cope because so much of our self-esteem is derived from being needed within the workplace. There is this over-glorification of busy that is so normalised in our society. How many times have you heard someone boasting how busy they are? Simply in answer to the question, how are you? How are you? Oh my god, I'm so busy right now. That reply makes that person feel important. You know what? Everyone's busy. Yes, busy holds different definitions in different people's lives, but everyone is busy. But the fact that you have to emphasise you're busy is almost implying you are busier than everyone else and that makes you more important or more needed. And it encourages this idea that we should be praising people who don't have enough time to sleep or look after themselves. I also think it's disrespectful to the people who have to be that busy out of necessity, out of needing to put food on the table and those people who are struggling to make enough money and therefore having to work the entire time. But those are not the people who are boasting about being busy. These people do not take pride in their busyness. The people who do take pride in their business are the kind of people who never take a day off and make a point of telling you about it all the time. They're also the kind of people who, when they do have a day off, will continue to work because they have this idea that they are so needed by the business to survive or so needed by other people to survive. And unfortunately, this is a lie you are telling yourself. At the end of the day, we are all a little bit replaceable. It's not a very nice idea, but if you couldn't do your job tomorrow, they could find someone else to do your job. If you don't pick up your friend's phone call, somehow they will figure out a way to survive. But you don't give people the opportunity to help themselves because you jump in first and we need to get honest about why we're truly creating this busyness. What you will also find is that these busy people will always be busy, even if they aren't busy. They create the busyness and this frantic, always on the go energy results in a person not being able to relax or rest properly or not being able to rest or relax without guilt. Being busy is not a badge of honour and if we all got honest with ourselves, if you have a constant need to be busy, you need to question why you are running away from being still so much. If you are still... Feelings tend to arise and that might be the hint as to why you are always needing to keep moving. But let's get into the questions and see whether we can get more into this. Hi Michelle, um, for the last few years I've been studying for a professional qualification um, which has taken up all of my time really in the evenings um, and it's been fantastic but in a few weeks time I'm due to take my last exam and I'm almost daunted about what I'm going to do with my time. Um, I'm all, I've always been someone who's very, like, kind of driven by productivity, always trying to be doing something. And um, just with everything that's been going on 
with the pandemic and things in my personal life I know that I'd probably benefit from taking time to address them and to just be in but the truth is I don't really know how so I was just wondering if you had any advice for me thank you Vicky Hey Vicky, love your question and the best solution to this is try as many things as possible. What you will find is that there are some activities that occupy your mind more than others and also keep you engaged more than others. So when I was in this phase of my life where I was learning to disentangle my self-esteem from my productivity, I started painting. I found that not only does it keep me off my phone more physically because I've got paint on my hands and I can't just pick up the phone, but I can't actually just stop after 10 minutes because it usually takes 10 minutes to get all the stuff out anyway and to get prepared. And it's also because I am more focused on what I'm painting. I also don't think about all the tasks I need to do or all the other productive things I could be doing. And then a beautiful thing happened and I realised I had done something unconsciously and taught myself an important lesson. Painting was the first hobby I'd ever had that I was actually shit at and wasn't trying to improve it at all. And now I advocate for everyone to have a hobby that they are shit at. Find something you are awful at and don't try to improve. It is the most liberating thing, especially in a society that encourages always progressing and always getting results and always having goals. To do something to truly just enjoy it is revolutionary and something that I'm so glad I added into my life. So find a hobby you're shit at. And when I say I'm awful at painting, I can't even paint an apple or a tree or even a face but I can splatter paint at a canvas. And that is very therapeutic. And I've even shocked myself a few times and created something that is not half bad. And I won't lie, I currently am recording this, staring at a massive canvas, the biggest painting I've ever painted, that I ended up hanging up because I was like, huh, it's actually not that bad. It's not the most beautiful thing in the world, but it's nice having a piece of art that I created myself. And I actually have one in my office now as well. But both of these paintings are more of a symbol for me. It's a more of a symbol of what they represent than the aesthetic element of them. And through this all, it taught me that your time and energy being put towards something without the goal of improving is equally as worthwhile, or another word you might use is productive. And likely, if you have always been a productive person, you won't initially see the purpose of this, But this is about teaching our brain that it's okay to do something just because you're having fun. And it's so liberating to do something without any goals or intention of improving or getting better. Spend the next few weeks only using the scale of how fun something is. So explore as many things as you can. So go for a walk, rate it on a 1 to 10 fun scale. Then go for a walk with an audiobook. Rate it again. Does it increase the fun or does it lower the fun? How about music? Does that increase the fun? Does that lower the fun? The wackier the idea, the better. We are obviously in a pandemic at the moment, but this has led to some amazing experiences from axe throwing to hiring a hot tub boat on the Thames. And yes, it's as amazing as it sounds. It was a lot of weird things, but even within the pandemic, just hire a Boris bike in the park and see if you enjoy it. Binge watch a TV show and don't move from your sofa for a day. Did that make you feel good? Did that make you feel less energy and lethargic? Finish a book in a day, learn how to cook a hard meal. There are so many options. I also want to set you a challenge to lose the idea of productive versus unproductive. In fact, stop using those words at all. Rest is productive. Fun is productive. 
I actually come up with my best ideas when I'm resting and having fun. And so it truly is productive, but that's not the reason why you should. The reason why you should rest is because you deserve to. The reason why you should have fun is because the memories are amazing and you truly get lost in it and you stop defining yourself by everything that you're doing and you actually start focusing on living day to day in the moment and experiencing the fun and fully experiencing your life. It's almost like a mindfulness exercise. So I hope that helps and have so much fun. I hope this is an amazing journey for you and you are just at the start of it and it gets more fun. In this week's Dissecting Dysfunctional Conversation, we are talking about a cute little Netflix show called Firefly Lane. It's quite new. Um, It's a really sweet, wholesome show that focuses on long-term friendship between two women. And I don't think there are enough shows on that. And especially shows that don't just show female friendships as bitchy, but instead go into the complexity and nuance of female friendships. And I actually love that this is by no means a perfect relationship, but I wanted to talk about something that happens in the second episode when one of the women discover that the other has been signing forms for her daughter to get the pill without her permission. As a result, she ignores her calls for a day and the friend turns up at her house saying, you can't go a whole day without talking to me. It's too much. I need you. You're my soulmate, you bitch. So much of this to unpick. First things first, it screams codependency. It is not healthy if you cannot go a day without speaking to a person, any person, whether it's a best friend or a partner. Now you might find that you have friendships in your life where you happen to talk to each other every day, but to need to speak to someone every day, that is codependency. And you need to foster more independence even within your healthy relationships. You also need to create a support system that isn't just one person. And at the end of the day, the ideal situation is you never actually need anyone, but it's okay to want them. Humans want other humans, but you shouldn't need them. The ideal situation is you know you can do things alone, you know you can survive it alone, but it's also more fun and nicer to do it with people around you. Removing this need and making it a want also allows friendships and romantic relationships the freedom to go through natural fluctuations of closeness and removes the pressure on each other to ignore your own needs to take care of the other person. Next, I want to talk about bad boundaries. Of course I do. I don't care how close you are. If your friend is not picking up the phone, do not turn up at their house. On the other hand, using the silent treatment is also bad boundaries, which makes sense because friends with bad boundaries attract friends with bad boundaries. If you are angry at someone and you are too angry to speak to them or you just don't want to, tell them you need time and space. You can do this in a really simple, I'm angry, I need a few days, I'll speak to you on Monday. Do not use the silent treatment as a punishment. That is manipulative and it also creates guilt, shame and anxiety and doesn't lead to a healthy conversation. Actually, within the show, one calls the other a bitch and they move on, but there was no actual conversation that took place where boundaries were set. Saying something along the lines of, hey, if my daughter comes to ask you for something and ask you to keep it a secret, that's unacceptable. That's not going to work for me. Personally, I wouldn't set this boundary because I would rather my hypothetical daughter had an adult to go to than sit in silence. But in this case, this should have been the conversation to take place so it wouldn't happen again and you can actually resolve the disagreement. 
Also, because within the episode, you can almost see how this is the main issue that seemed valid enough to bring up, that she was annoyed enough and was a legitimate enough reasons. There were so many other issues underlying this fight that were never brought up because one friend didn't feel like it was a big enough deal to tell the other friend. And it was almost done in a very, well, that's just the way she is vibe. But just because that's the way it was done before doesn't mean you can't change it. So in 2021, let's bring an end to the silent treatment. Also, all of this is actually really heavily spoken about in my new book, The Joy of Being Selfish. So if you're interested to learn more, you know where to go. And if not, we're moving on to the next segment anyway. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Michelle, it's Rosa. Thank you so much for the wonderful podcast. I've really enjoyed listening to it so far. My question that I want to send to you today is about... Um, Feeling stressed by an empty day. So what happens for me is during the week, I really look forward to the weekend. And I especially like when I have a weekend uh, ahead of me where I don't have any plans, which is quite common now uh, in the current situation. And as soon as this weekend arrives and I wake up in the morning, I get really anxious about spending my time right. And... It confuses me that sometimes something that I'm really not in the mood for, like taking a walk or folding the laundry, turns out to be exactly what I need to feel good in that day. So I don't really understand where this is coming from. And I would like to learn a bit more about that and maybe how to cope with this. Thank you. Hi Rosa, I'm so glad you're enjoying my podcast and what an interesting question. I think it's really interesting because essentially you've asked a question from a self-awareness perspective and a desire to know yourself and understand yourself better. 
And I think that's such a beautiful thing. It is such a key skill that helps with all aspects of mental health or mental wellness, whatever you want to call it. Because when we understand ourselves and we have that self-awareness in place, everything gets so much easier. The initial thing I want to say around this is this pressure to have basically a perfect day. The reason why you wake up anxious is because you're creating a scarcity mindset. Scarcity mindset is the mindset that there will never be enough and it's the idea that whatever your mindset is about is a finite resource. So if you take one slice of cake there will be less cake. Except instead of cake you are doing it with your time. Your finite resource in your situation is that there are only so many hours in the day or there are only so many hours in your day off and so if you go for a walk for an hour that's one less hour to make lunch or have a nap. And whilst time is always finite, and this will always be true, it is the mindset that creates the anxiety and the stress. And so we can change the mindset around it. So the alternative to a scarcity mindset is an abundance mindset. And someone who doesn't feel the way you do will have the belief, well, there's always time tomorrow or there's always time next weekend to do that. Instead of a limited number of cake slices, they might see it like flowers. Like you pluck a flower, yes, but a new one grows in its place. That might not be the best analogy I could have used, but hopefully you get what I mean. The way to remove the scarcity idea is to focus on the decision you do make. What you are doing is essentially you're making a decision, saying yes to doing something, but then spending the entire time while you're doing that task thinking about the no that you said. If you are doing something and the entire time you're thinking, oh, I could be doing this or I could be doing that, you are wasting your time. It is pointless. That's the nature of making a decision and making a choice. So the irony is you're paralyzing yourself around making a decision and inherently wasting more time by placing such a high pressure on the task to be the optimal enjoyment or the optimal relaxation that you are actually undoing your enjoyment or your relaxation. Instead of seeing it on that scale, Ask yourself one simple question. Am I enjoying myself? Yes or no question. If you are, great, keep doing it. If you're not, change. Find something else to do. But you are currently affecting the amount of enjoyment you could have by preoccupying yourself by the number of things you are missing out on choosing. You are also putting too much pressure on the day to be perfect. And it's almost like you want to rest in the most productive way possible. And isn't that ironic? It completely undoes the purpose of rest and relaxation. Rest and relaxation doesn't have to and shouldn't have to be in the same order and the same structure to work. You don't need to pre-plan your day and you can use it as an opportunity to follow your instinct and follow your intuition and jump from one thing to another and maybe do the exact opposite of what you would do in the weekdays where your week is so scheduled. Let your weekend be the time or your days off be the time where you are so much more flexible with your time and use that as an opportunity to learn that skill of not having to organise every single part of the day. In answer to the part of your question about why you think you won't enjoy something and then you actually do, I think you mentioned a walk in folding laundry, is because both these tasks change your physiology. And changing your physiology is actually the fastest way to change your mood, whether it's folding laundry or moving or even just forcing a smile on your face. To prove this to you, I want you to stand as if you're sad and walk like you're sad. Actually, go do it now. What did you do automatically? You're hunching your shoulders, walking with a hunched back, with your head down. 
We know this because it's literally ingrained in us. Now, if I ask you to walk as if you're having the best day in the world, your head would be up, your back is straight and your shoulders are back. And as much as you can do it this way around, you can also do it the other way around. So if you force yourself to walk in a confident way, you will actually start feeling confident because you will remember the confident memories as well. In a similar way that when you're sad, it's hard to recall a memory of a time you were happy, This works the other way around, but in a positive way. That's because your memories are linked to your physiology. The other reason you might enjoy it more than you expected to is because it might be fulfilling one of your values. So if you get satisfaction from the completion of a task, then you might be feeling that pride when you do one of these things. And if you look at your values around rest in particular, this will help you figure it out. So the question you need to ask yourself is what feeling is this providing me? What is important to me about this task? And that will help you figure out your values and what's important to you in terms of rest and relaxation. It's also another really helpful self-awareness tool. I use values a lot in my life to help me figure out things and understand myself better. I hope that explains it better and that you have a greater understanding of yourself now through this answer. Sending you so much love. Today's three quick tips on how to rest without feeling guilty are number one listen to your thoughts but do not believe them engage in a mindset of curiosity and observe your thoughts from a distance when you rest so let's say you're watching tv and your thoughts are oh my god you're being so lazy just listen don't judge it do not try to silence it and just go hmm that's interesting i wonder where i learned that from i wonder who used to say this to me when i was younger i wonder who this sounds like i wonder who i learned this from Number two, there is no set rule on how much sleep we need. We have all heard that statistic that says we should sleep an average of seven to eight hours. But we also know that some people survive on sleep for four hours and they're perfectly fine. We need to stop following the conventional rules because for the average to be seven or eight, that means yes, there are people under that sleeping four hours, but there are also people over that That's how an average works. I am definitely a person who is not optimal unless I get 10 hours of sleep. And yes, that fluctuates. Sometimes I'm okay with eight, but sometimes I do need 10. So stop focusing on how much sleep you should get. And if you have the time, let yourself lie in and validate the fact that you need it and start listening to your body in terms of sleep rather than questioning why you need so much sleep. If you are thirsty, you just grab a drink of water. If you're tired, you should just go to sleep. Number three, put your phone away. If you are aware of every single thing you need to do while you are resting, you aren't resting. Every notification will be encouragement for those thoughts that tell you you need to go back to work. And you'll already be replying to those emails in your head before the hour is up, which is not proper rest. So put your phone in another room if you have to, and any time an annoying thought pops up, remind yourself this is not important or urgent. Or everyone can wait an hour, nothing is that urgent. Unless you're a brain surgeon, everyone can wait an hour. I'm Michelle, my name is Sophia, and first of all, congratulations on your podcast. You are really, really good at it, and I love it. It's part of my routine now. I love hearing it, and so, yes, good job on that. Second of all, my question is about stress, because lately I've been feeling very, very stressed, and it's not 
uh, it's not like I'm not used to it. I like I feel stressed pretty much every day, and that has become like kind of normal for me. But the thing is that right now it is getting a lot like out of hand, and I don't even know how to deal with it anymore. And so I was wondering if you have some tips for me, uh, some ways on how to manage it and handle it, because. Uh, Yeah, I really need help. So thank you so much in advance and take care. Bye. Hi, Sophia. Oh, thank you so much for loving the podcast. It's actually amazing to be told I'm good at it and it really made me smile. So what I believe you're talking about is what I call bodily stressed. So when you aren't working, you are thinking about work and this will lead you with a constant feeling of stress. So our body has two nervous systems, the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system is our stressed nervous system and we are not meant to live there. It is a system that is alerted when we feel under threat. So it activates the flight, fight, freeze response in our brains. The problem is when we end up living there or living constantly in there or living there more so than the relaxed nervous system, that's when burnout happens and how we trigger this nervous system is by creating threats or high alerts when they don't really exist. So notifications is one of the ways that you can spark an alert in your body or emails and we almost learn it over a period of time because let's say you get an email that needed an urgent reply and you only saw it an hour later. You then will have a reaction to check your emails more and even though you don't always get an urgent email, your brain will respond like you do and that means every time you check your email, even if there's nothing urgent, you are activating your stress nervous system. Now that's just one thing but notifications is one example but it's a learned response so you can unlearn it. When you feel that stress in the body, the fastest way to get back to parasympathetic nervous system, your relaxed nervous system, is to control your breathing. So do four seconds in, on the in-breath, hold it for four inside your body, and then six seconds on the out-breath. This will calm your body down, and every time you notice it, every time you notice yourself getting stressed, become conscious of what you're saying in your head. Because what we tell ourselves can activate that stress nervous system alone. So for example, if you're saying, I'm going to be fired if I don't reply to this email now, of course you're going to activate your stress nervous system. And you might even spike hormones like adrenaline. So become conscious of what you are thinking and fact check those thoughts when they appear. So will you actually get fired or are you just scaring yourself into doing the work? And therefore, do you actually need to scare yourself in order to get the work done? And is there no other way you can motivate yourself to get that work done without the fear? I also want to share a great rule that I created for myself. It is my 100% rest or 100% work rule. I found most of my wasted energy was when I was sitting somewhere in the middle. So kind of working, but also scrolling Instagram. Or when I was kind of watching TV, but also scrolling through my emails. That middle ground is a waste. Either do one or the other. And you know what? It boosts your productivity so much. I learned this lesson myself when I created a sort of schedule where I did 40 minutes watching a TV show that I was currently binge watching and obsessed with and 20 minutes of work. Yes, my work time was 50% of what my rest time was. And I just did it for one day, just for fun, just to see. I always tell you to have an experimental mindset, a curious mindset. I live the same way in my own life, just to see if it worked. 
I was working on the joy of being selfish that day and writing in a pandemic wasn't ideal. And even though the amount of time I spent resting was double the amount of time I spent working, I actually wrote more words that day than I did any other day. And I think it's because when I was working, I was actually working so effectively and properly that the 40 minutes gave me time for my brain to relax and to think about what I was going to write. And that allowed me the time to get inspired. But I would also like to emphasise the reason to do this is not because it makes you more productive. The reason to do this is because you deserve to rest and to not feel that stress on a daily basis. As much as you say you feel this every day, so you've almost adapted to it and you don't notice it anymore, your body notices it. And you shouldn't let this baseline of stress be your norm because as much as mentally you seem to have adapted, your body will be impacted by constantly living in stress. Being stressed, for example, raises your risk of a heart attack by 27%, which is the same as someone who smokes five times a day. So it is something that you should absolutely not get used to. And that's some increased motivation to address this issue in case you needed it. Ultimately, you need to start looking at your beliefs and see how stress serves you. Does it make you feel more important? Does it make you feel like an adult? Is this what you thought being an adult looked like? Are you mirroring and role modelling one of your parents? Is this what one of your parents looked like? What meaning are you giving to the stress? Getting to the root of this will underpin why stress is such a great factor in your life because I promise there are other people doing the same amount of work who do not feel that same impact on their body and on their stress levels. I hope that gives you some answers and I love the fact that this podcast is part of your routine and so I'm really hoping you're glad that it's back. The thing I am working on at the moment is those moments when your brain just shuts down and goes into overwhelm. And for me, that happened with something financial the other day. Because incredibly, my new book, The Joy of Being Selfish, got international book deals. So Israel, Croatia and Korea. But in order to get paid, I now have to deal with international tax and that is not fun and it is not my forte. And these international tax forms... Oh my god, my brain shut down. I read the email five times and I just freaked out. Like it almost was like my brain just crashed. So I asked the woman who sent me the email, the woman from my agency to call me. Um, It was actually a woman I'd never spoken to before. And the lovely woman at my agency was so kind and spoke to me so calmly and slowly and also was really compassionate about the fact that she was like, I totally understand why this is confusing. You're not meant to be doing this. Like you're an author. This is just the shit side of the job. And I also spoke to my life coach and I was like, why do I feel so stupid? And my life coach, Michelle Zelli, did this beautiful reframe where she said, it's not you being stupid, it's you learning. And she's right. And you know what? She's right. We were never taught this stuff. And frankly, if I was good at doing tax forms, I would be an accountant. But I'm not. So I make do. And also, even at 27 years old, the majority of my friends have never had to deal with this. Because if you work for a company, you don't have to do your own accountancy. You don't have to deal with tax forms. And so it's okay that I don't fully understand this. It's only when you're freelance or self-employed do you have to understand that. And even then, 
the job is being an author. The fact that I can't understand my tax forms doesn't make me stupid. So I'm acknowledging this is all an area that I need to be kinder to myself and I'm working on that. And I'm also loving this reframe of just because you're not good at something doesn't mean you actually have to be good at it, which is actually very similar to the advice I gave around painting earlier. But before we start going in a circle, that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for all the questions. The questions have been amazing this season, last season too. Thank you so much for opening your heart to me. And if you would like to be part of a future episode, then send me a voice note to inallhonesty at mindsetforlife.co.uk. I listen to every single voice note and every single voice note does go into a theme that if I get three of them, I record that episode. So they are all being used at some point. Thank you so much for all the time and effort that I've gone into those voice notes. The email address will be in the description if you didn't catch that. My two books are The Joy of Being Selfish and Am I Ugly. My username online on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter is ScarNotScared. My TED Talk is Have You Hated Your Body Enough Today? And next week we are talking about single life, which is one of my favourite topics. So tune in next week, tune in next Wednesday if you're interested in listening to that. Otherwise, have an amazing week and thank you so much for listening. Lots of love. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.